0: you tuned in to the Policy Talks podcast by Bharti Institute of Public Policy from the Indian School of Business. We hope to understand the personalities behind policies and demystify the complex policy-making labyrinth. Every Tuesday, we speak to seasoned stalwarts and promising young legislative fellows who have made indelible marks in shaping the Indian
1: policy landscape.
0: Welcome back to Policy Talks. We are continuing our conversation with manjari Jaruhar. I'm going slowly now from uh, you know the time that you've come to Hyderabad and the NPA, the National Police Academy, and your training years, and you've given a very detailed account of your training years, but I just want you to reflect on a similar situation for other women and women professionals who started uh, thinking of starting a career of her own and face hurdle both at the community level in you know and the family you know the his whole issues of gender equality and access for women in accessing certain public resources be it uh, you know career women or even you choose to be a homemaker how do you keep the dignif- dignity intact at the same time negotiate with the outside world how do we look at that uh, from the context that you have been into
1: more and more uh, women are coming uh, with and coming out with their own aspirations of doing what they want to do. In uh, many cases, I find that the parents are also very supportive and they help them. And they are ready that whether in terms of higher education or sending them outside the home to w- study in another state or, in another, or, or work in another state, uh, that is changing. But there are still a lot of people who uh, suffer this pushback because the biggest thing uh, in India for uh, parents is when they have a girl child is to settle her. The major concern is that she should get settled and settlement only means marriage. That I think is a wrong attitude. There are settlement by working and marriage will happen. It is not the end, end and be all of uh, the girl's existence. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, girls are still finding it uh, difficult to um, uh, get out. I am mentoring a girl who has uh, been uh, whose father died and she has a brother with special needs and she lives in the village and then she decided to somehow get out of the village and come to study in a, in a city and uh, I asked her one day that why is it that you don't go and visit your mother she's all alone I think she should you should go and help her just out of curiosity I says, no, no ma'am I will not go I will why I said why will you not go she says, The minute I enter my village, in that street only when I'm going to my home, there'll be so many people telling my mother and calling out and saying, why are you wasting money on her education? Mm -hmm. She should not be educated, you should keep the money for her marriage, get her married and then you look after your son who has uh, special needs and uh, manage your family rather than wasting money on her. Whereas she feels that if she works hard and uh, gets a good job, she will have a dignity and she will give dignity to her mother. And once the mother uh, is in a condition to sort of uh, leave the village, maybe she can look after them better in a city. So these are these hurdles, you know, even uh, where the parents want to do something, the society also tries to impose uh, some uh, limitations uh, on the girl. So a woman has to really fight her way through. But uh, I see trends changing when I see how many women, constables, sub-inspectors are now coming into the police. And now parents feel happy that a woman is also now in uniform and that gives them a status in the village. Or the in-laws also now have changed their attitude and they feel that a woman in the police uh, enhances the image of the family. So now they're very accepting of a woman joining the police force or joining any job where she can bring some income into the house. So that trend is changing. And I hope it's for the good and it will continue like this.
0: So there's a very, very famous uh, you know, statement by Indra Noori, the head of PepsiCo at that time, that women can't have it all. The uh, biological clock and the career clocks are always in, in contrast. And you know, when you're growing up, uh, you want to have children, but at the same time you have to look after children
1: because the ecosystem is not there. So can women have it all? I think women can have it all i've had it in my own career doing a police job and with a police uh, as a policeman as a husband also and i've got two children and i have managed and i think uh, women have to learn to manage things also and uh, always uh, not to be like a defensive that how can i do this how can i not do this it is a tough job for a woman it is tougher than uh, what a man has to face but uh, it is not an impossible job. And if a woman wants to make sh- uh, work, then she needs to also build an ecosystem around her where she moves out and also takes help from people, help from her family, help from her neighbors, help from the society around her, whoever can help her in upbringing, she, like in the police job, you are out sometimes in the night, sometimes you may have to leave early in the morning, then what is the option? Sometimes my husband was also not posted with me, but I would be having good relations with my neighbors and I would ring them up and tell them that, can you come over and take charge of the children? Sometimes my son was sick and I had to leave for an inspection. And one day when he was really very ill uh, and I had to go to for inspection to a place which was far away, I now think that I took such a bold decision, but uh, I told my neighbors to make sure that the maid gives him medicines and put all the medicines, everything, the thermometer on his bedside. And then I left for that inspection. Now I could have postponed that inspection, but I know that for an inspection by a senior officer, the men work for days to update the records, to update their uniform, to get the barracks and everything ready for inspection. It's a major annual activity of a, of a unit in the police. And I felt that they will be all waiting for me. And how can I now at the last minute say that my son has got fever and I'm not coming. So even now I think whether I did the right thing or not, but I did make a change and I did not say, I will not come, I went. I was away for two days. Every few minutes I was checking because my husband was also not posted with me. And my neighbors handled that uh, matter. So the women who aspire to do their jobs have to also build that ecosystem, I think. That is the only way we can uh, hold. And I never will advocate that women should leave their job. Whatever the reason may be, Mm -hmm. they should learn to manage and uh, not lose their self-respect by leaving their job.
0: So this is an interesting account that uh, I mean we want more and more women workforce not only in police service but all over but we also see that the institutions are not there to support I mean earlier used to have I know my mother has been working and my grandmother has also been working so wow. it is the third generation working women house that I have been brought up in but they all had it their own difficulties uh, in managing the household and. Uh, sometime at the cost of many, many things that you have also very clearly mentioned. And um, sometimes children also take, uh, they don't understand when they're growing up. So they demand a lot on the parents. For example, if you have a, you know, uh, there's a parent-teacher meeting and most of the time my parent-teacher meeting, my mother has never been there because she herself has been working. And we have never seen most of the times, right? So we grew up with the whole sense that maybe we are not taken care as much as the other uh, children. But today when I look at it, from the hindsight i see that that's been a wonderful that my mother has also been working similarly i just want to ask you this question you talked about the ecosystem but i just want to go slightly more granular to understand how does it play out uh, in a sense that a society that we all not only have it in india but also south asia a similar kind of a family system work how do you look at it from that perspective in terms of the larger ecosystem that is required second is also about um, what do we expect also from the government because at the same time we see that the family systems are there to support but there are not many institutions where you can actually approach and uh, you know keep working uh, if you wish to how do you
1: yes it's a fact that i had a good family support when i was working because there were times when um, the family support was not available but then i was dependent on my neighbors and friends to help out and uh, i had a good uh, system of help at home i made sure that I had 24 hour help. If possible, it's a question of affordability that I would encourage them to have a, a helps a 24 hour help at home, because that takes away a lot of stress. But there are women uh, at the lower levels who cannot uh, afford a 24 hour help and all. So for them, uh, we have been saying in the government and government has now been thinking of having a crush everywhere. Mm. And uh, for the subordinate ranks, it's very important, whether they are working in the police station or they are working in the police lines, etc., that there is a creche available or there is a place where the woman can keep the child because it is not possible for her to uh, leave the child at home because she cannot afford to have a full-time help. In fact, uh, yesterday I met a group of lady IPS officers and we were discussing that a time has come that even when women have to be sent for training, in our training uh, academies at the level of the constable, DYSPs or even uh, IPS officers, many women are already married and they may have children. We were now discussing that a time has come that uh, all training institutions should have accommodation for married women with children Mm -hmm. and make available to them at a price which maybe the institution can pay or at a price where the woman herself can be encouraged to pay at a subsidized okay. rate that while she's under training, the help looks after the children. Mm-hmm. So now our focus should be to build these things in our institutions that the woman can be trained and she's allowed to keep her children. And uh, s- uh, along with the children, she has a wherewithal to handle this uh, children and other Tibetans on her. So that is now, if we want to encourage more women, we'll have to look at it. And now the age of marriage, et cetera, is also going up. So by the time the woman gets into a job, she may be already married and having children. So this is the need of the hour. So the, I feel that every effort should be made now, uh, institutionalized, that uh, when women come into the workforce, other things and their other needs are taken care of.
0: That's interesting, but in terms of uh, you know uh, flexible working hours, how does it pan out for policing? Because there's you need to be there in person physically present but there are a lot of places now that you know we see that we have this flexi hours working for women or you can work from home for at least once or twice in a week Uh, so at least it gives you some flexibility uh, if you have the child has not been well you and there's a gendered responsibility for you to look after uh, the child then probably you can work from home so something like this how do we see this from the government services especially in the police and other related services
1: (laughs) In the government servants, especially in the police, I don't think we can have uh, this system work. But we can have a shift system. In fact, there is a lot of requests coming from the states and all that. If we want to curtail police brutality and if we want to make the police more human, we should give them fixed hours of duty so that they have time to relax. Just now a constable or a sub-inspector or even police officers at senior levels, we are working 24 by 7. There is no rest. The same thing, we cannot expect that the woman also will be there, she has to look after her family. So one way of handling this in the police force is to have fixed hours. A lot of states have made a beginning and they are giving eight hours and they are giving them off once a week, a weekly off, so that at least they can tend to their family. But in the case of women colleagues, this will have to be done. It cannot be so uh, insensitive as to make them work 24 by 7. It will not work. So if you want more women, you want to make the police force more receptive to uh, women victims, women issues, then you have to have a woman force, which is also you are able to give some flexible timing to them. The second thing which I feel that will need to be done in other government offices is, that you will have to give them facilities. They may not be required, like say a person is in the IAS or some other department, but you may not be able to give them a flexible timings, but from nine to five, if they have to work in the office, then the office should be able to provide some support for looking after the children. We have to develop creches. We have to develop a system of where they can leave their child and work. And close by, they can go and uh, if required, feed the child, whatever. So those things are now, I think, the need of the hour. And that will be the next jump which the government has to take.
0: Must take. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, when it comes to policing, we know that it's been looked out from outside, at least the, the epitome of masculinity. In a sense, the space is very masculine in terms of its architect in terms of infrastructure, the thinking of people, that has been the traditional ways in which policing has been done and how, uh, you know, when you come in as a woman police officer, you're also definitely a police officer, but you're also a woman and this is a last largely a masculine uh, space. So two questions on this. One is that I, what I've seen and read your account is that you have retained your, not only your femininity, but also celebrated the femininity which is as a positive aspect of your personality and you have, we have seen many accounts where, moving accounts in fact, of how it plays out for people that you have interacted with and how you touch their lives with your femininity. Yes. So that's one, uh, then uh, know how do we look at it from other police officers, especially women and men, to retain that part of it because there are not many good examples. Uh, yes. uh, so that's our first question, I'll go to the next after this.
1: Okay. So the question of me retaining my femininity, I think because of my upbringing, And even though I took charge of my life and started uh, working in the police force, that inherent thing never left me. That inherent femininity and the sense of right and wrong did not leave me. And over the years, I started believing that it is important for women to retain their femininity because then the force also looks at you as a genuine person. And they trust you, that you are not somebody who's shamming to be like a male, uh, uh, like a male officer, they realize that okay, you are genuinely a woman, and you want to empathize or do something. In that case, bringing the femininity part of it to that particular incident or situation. So, if I have broken down in a case, if I am very emotional and I break down uh, looking at a case, I have, I found that the men did not uh, get shocked. They thought that this was the natural thing that I was doing. And I felt that uh, they became very supportive of me. So I put a lot of premium on trust. If your force trusts you that you are a genuine person, that helps in team building. Uh, then they don't look at you, oh, she has come, now she will be like a man and she will be pushing her agenda and all. They accept, yes, she's human and she's trying to do her best. So trust and uh, and confidence of the men around you also uh, comes to you. They trust you that, okay, she is a genuine person and she, it's not that when she's crying, she's crying. It is crying to get sympathy, but she's genuinely upset about that dead person or the dead body or the murder of a child or whatever has happened. So I think that femininity can be a strength, but I do not mean by femininity that you you use your tears for a better posting, use your tears to get perks for yourself. Tears uh, where it is required and you want to be a woman, you be a woman, don't try to be very macho and very manly that this is the way i can do things no you can be a woman and you can still achieve you should have a empathy you should have a a sense that you are there to provide succor to people you are there to help them you are there to build a better relationship these should be our uh, strengths rather than to copy men and behave as if i'm a man
0: very interesting I'm sure there's a lot of learning for all my women colleagues out there because this is an interesting point that you're making. One thing is you know, the global data tells us that uh, one in every third woman actually has seen some other form of sexual harassment in their life. I'm sure you may have seen or come across something, the connotations of sexual in nature or how do you protect one is yourself being in a masculine force or environment which is very masculine. Because many women uh, definitely um, also when they're going out, they will also see, they'll experience some of these things. And most of the time women don't come out in open because they feel that it is, uh, it will impinge on their career. What advice would you have for women who may face or likely to face sexual harassment? How do they conduct themselves? Uh, What is the point that they can make? So
1: the first point I want to make it is that no woman should ever accept any wrong which is being being done to them in the office, or at home also. Mm -hmm. So at home, the harassment can be of a different kind. But let us talk about harassment at the workplace. So if there is anybody harassing you, you should come out and first of all confront the person and tell him that you are not going to accept it. And if he doesn't stop and he continues, then the best thing is to discuss the matter with your colleagues and file a complaint. Now the government has come out with so many laws which are supportive of women. And women should be truthful enough to come out and tell the men that they are not of that nature where they can treat them very casually. So there is no harm in confronting the person and saying that they should be stopped. And at no point of time, you should suppress those feelings and say that, oh, what will happen to me and what will be the consequences and things like that. It may happen that in a male dominated society, which we still are, you are not given your due. It may turn around and they say that, oh, you were at fault and it was, but don't give up. Take it to the next level, appeal. Why should you get silent when you have been doing the right thing and you should not compromise on it at all. At the same time, don't misuse this law. Don't misuse this law to uh, further your own interest by saying that, oh, my boss has been tough on me or he's given me a bad ACR, I'll file a complaint against him. Or he's not giving me leave and I'm asking for this uh, benefit or that benefit and let me file a um, a sexual harassment case against him. This is wrong. This should also not happen. But do not allow any wrong done to you to be just left like that. You
0: please but do in your take uh, in your service long career. Did you face any issue where within the force women who are working uh, did they face any issue of this nature or how did they deal with it or did you support them? Was there anything which is within the police force which we don't hear much about outside?
1: No, no. We did have problems. We did have problems and people and being a very senior woman officer. I was often asked to head the complaints committee Mm -hmm. and inquire into those uh, kind of cases. And as I said that I mm, got a chance to find a woman who was uh, really being harassed and I had to say in black and white that the man was actually troubling her and the government took a very strong step. At the same time, I did a couple of cases in which it was the other way around where we felt that the woman was making false allegations and the man was only trying to do his duty. And uh, just because she was a shirker and did not want to do what was told to her, she filed that complaint case. So I have adjudicated. And again, my sense of right and wrong has been very strong in my career. I have always felt that it is the right thing to do. And I believe that if you do the right thing, then only will you get the trust of people. The public will also trust you. The subordinates will trust you. And your bosses will also trust you. If you are not uh, going to do the right thing, this uh, kind of ecosystem of trust will not build up. So uh, I have had some very complicated sexual harassment cases to look into only because people felt that I would do justice in that case. When they felt that uh, this is a case which is of a little gray area, let Manjri have a look. So that confidence they've had in me and I'm glad that I could uh, sort of be a part of that confidence and could do the right thing.
0: So slowly we're moving to the last segment of our conversation. This is on more on how the bureaucrats conduct themselves because they are also public servants and they work uh, very closely with the politicians. Uh, In your um, memoir you did discuss uh, your interaction with the politics of the day as well but uh, for the career bureaucrats or people who are aspiring to be bureaucrats how do they conduct themselves because you know being in an environment which probably a lot of Time people think that it's a corrupt system. You get into the system, you also become corrupt, or you can't save yourself. You know, you have to compromise a lot. So that actually averses people to come into the organization because you know anybody who wants to work with the clean habits will not like to enter into a, into bureaucracy. What will be your um, suggestions to people who are aspiring to get into the the services but wanted to be clean?
1: I think it is very much possible to be clean and still be in the services and uh, not get cowed down by what the politician wants you to do. I firmly believe that uh, we can remain uh, straightforward and still do our job very well. I've had uh, also a number of times direct confrontation with politicians, and I have been able to say that this is the way it should be done and it cannot be done in any other way. And then again, it's a question of trust. Because now they trust, they have trusted me. I have recorded in my book there was I was asked to do some very very tricky kind of recruitments or tricky kind of inquiries which other people would have said it is very difficult. I will not do it, but because uh, <clears throat> there was a kind of a trust because the politicians knew that I would be always saying the correct thing. They trusted me and my bosses also encouraged me and said that, no, because they trust you and they're asking you to do something, you must do it because the public trust and the trust of anybody, you should not belie. So I feel that when we say no to somebody, it is uh, the only thing that can happen to you that you will be transferred. And is it so bad to be transferred? I have had transfers uh, overnight, not because I have had a clash with a politician, but because the uh, the senior officer felt or the senior officers who was handling my uh, posting felt that I would do a better job, I was required at a particular place. So I was transferred overnight. It, it happened two or three times in my career. And it was always for a better uh, uh, job. But when the transfers came, I did feel bad that, you know, I'm now leaving my family, my son is taking the exams and I have to leave. But I realized that they were meaning to uh, further my career rather than spoil my career. And the same thing I would say about the politicians, they need to be all, not all politicians are bad. They are also very helpful at times. And you have to build an image for yourself. You have to build an image that you are a no-nonsense type and you will do these things in this particular way. And I think uh, the number of women in the services are so small that every time the woman has to do the right thing and every time she should succeed in doing the right work. Mm. So that is the only way to handle politicians and people who say that, oh, I didn't do it because I was being pushed like that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that.
0: Yeah. So, thank you so much. It has been an interesting memoir of reading your memoir and as well as the conversation that we have, Manjirji. And I want everyone to read this book, Madam Sir, if you have not read it, I am sure um, you have come across this, but interesting account of her life journey. And I look forward to reading the second book of yours, which I would say that you must think of writing. There are many, many plots, I am sure, coming. Maybe
1: after another 10 years. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank
0: you so much. Faith. Thank
1: you very much.